So like the last five, six weeks now, we've been journeying with Jesus through his final week on earth. Uh, if you remember, back when we first kicked off the series, uh, we started back in the middle of John chapter 12. That's one of the gospels uh, that one of, John, uh, one of Jesus' disciples uh, had written to kind of share with us his life, what he did and uh, why it mattered. And John, in his gospel, he actually takes the first half to talk about the first 33 years of Jesus' life. Really, most of that is all about the three years of Jesus' ministry. And then he takes the whole second half of his gospel and he talks about that final week. So the first three years of Jesus' ministry gets this much of the gospel and the last week of Jesus' life gets this much of the gospel. And we've been journeying with Jesus because what we've found is that when we journey with Jesus, things begin to make sense in a way that they probably hadn't before. Have you ever journeyed with somebody through a really, really difficult, painful time. Uh, for me, one of those moments uh, happened back in uh, 2001. Uh, it was January 20th. Uh, I remember my wife and I were living in Chicago at the time. Um, I was working at a church there. Uh, Brenda was a nurse. And uh, we came home and there was... Um, uh, the light was blinking on the answering machine. I know some of you are like, what's an answering machine? It's what old people used to have to leave messages before you had cell phones with voicemail. And so we listened to it, and uh, it was a message from her father. And he just said to call, and, and, and something you could tell was definitely not good. And uh, I can remember my wife picking up the phone and calling her dad. And I could see the entire conversation playing out. Uh, on her face. Uh, he explained that um, Brenda's mom, uh, he came home from being out and found her uh, laying on the kitchen floor, unresponsive. And that she was at the hospital and uh, was on life support, um, but that she had had a massive stroke and they didn't expect her to live. And uh, I can still remember... Um, my uncle uh, was a, a pilot for an airline at the time there in Chicago, and uh, we called him up, and he was able to find us a, a flight um, that we could put Brenda on that night. I remember driving down into the city uh, late that night to get her on a flight to get to Philadelphia, uh, where her brothers had already uh, started uh, heading towards. I remember the next morning uh, waking up and getting myself ready uh, where I could take a flight that would get us getting me out there, uh, I can still remember um, getting picked up and, and driving to the hospital. Uh, I can remember the smells uh, of the hospital. I can remember seeing um, the tear-stained faces of my uh, four brother-in-laws. Uh, I remember the conversations that were taking place uh, in the hospital as they had to make the incredibly difficult decision um, to take her mother off life support. I remember standing around uh, Prima's bedside uh, with just the immediate family as each one of the kids, Brenda and her four brothers, uh, telling their mother all the ways that they loved her and appreciated her. She had such a massive servant's heart. Uh, she loved her kids like crazy. 
I remember uh, them then singing Great is Thy Faithfulness, which was her favorite song, around the bedside there. Uh, she and her brothers, uh, Brenda and her brothers, breaking into four-part harmony, uh, as I had heard them do many times before. And I can also remember the tension uh, at the viewing um, between some family members because of some past hurts that had happened. The difficulty there, I remember the day of the funeral itself, when we were in the car in the processional and uh, another car coming out of a grocery store decided they were going to try to sneak by real quick and ran into uh, her brother's vehicle in the middle of the processional. I remember the funeral itself um, when so many people that we didn't even know uh, came forward to share stories of ways that Primera had touched their lives. Um, People from work, uh, but more than anything, what I remember uh, of that time was being with Brenda. Uh, I remember holding her when she couldn't hold herself. I remember crying with her. I remember uh, her sharing stories of her mom, uh, which often led all of us into laughter. Uh, I remember um, how those times of laughter, although quickly turned into more tears, just as the realization set in that there would be no more stories created to tell. And you see, when you walk with somebody through a difficult time, through something painful and hard, there's a number of things that happen, right? We begin to grow close to one another in ways that we couldn't have before, right? There's no way that you can engage with somebody at such a deep heart level and not actually grow in your intimacy, in your care, in your trust, in your concern, in so many different ways. And I actually think that it's very possible, though, for people to walk on the same paths and kind of engage uh, in the same experiences and yet not do it together. Like Brenda and I were with one another, right? But I've actually seen couples that have kind of walked down similar paths and, and, and they've kind of done the same things, like experienced the same thing, and yet they weren't actually with each other. And that, that to me feels like it would probably be one of the loneliest places on earth to be. Walking down the same path and yet not being actually with the other person. I think sometimes we actually do that with our relationship with Christ, if I'm being honest. Uh, it's Holy Week. This was... I was just thinking about this this morning, actually, as I was just kind of walking through my notes. Have you ever thought about the fact that God decided to make uh, our existence happen in years? Like, he didn't have to. Like, you could have been born, and then you could just count the days. Like, I'm 20,322 days old, or whatever, you know? Instead, we count by years, and what that allows us to do is actually to relive certain times, right? Right? We can relive our birthday and celebrate that. And it also allows us to relive Holy Week every year. An opportunity to journey with Christ, with the Father, through what was absolutely the most difficult week of their entire life. If you can say life with God. I guess you can. I don't know. Like it's, It seems like a human thing. But that to me is one of the ways that I think is uh, potentially 
one of the saddest ways to kind of live life. When we kind of do the churchy things, the Jesus-y things, and we walk kind of together, <laughs> we've got haze. We're practicing our hazer, friends, because we have one now. It's okay. It's not, <laughs> the building is not on fire. Don't worry. <laughs> when we walk with Jesus, <laughs> some of you are like, do I need to go? <laughs> no, here, it's all right. <laughs> when we walk with Jesus, and yet we're not actually with him. You ever, you ever done that before? Right, like, I, like I, I know like these things are happening and I'm like kind of connected to it and, and I go and I celebrate. I even do like the Good Friday, like I'm a real Christian. I went to Good Friday service too and, and I definitely went to Easter and yet we just kind of walk through our entire week and like nothing is really different. We don't even really recognize that Jesus is in the week with us and certainly we don't think of ourselves in the week with him. We're kind of on the same path but we're not actually together. You see, when we walk with people, there's a few things that I believe will happen. Uh, We grow closer, right? We bear each other's burdens. We love more deeply. We become more intimate. We understand what makes our friends hurt, the things that kind of engage their heart. We experience their joy as our own. Our trust grows. And this is actually the reason that we wanted to journey together with Jesus through his last week on earth. There's so many beautiful things that he tells us. Do you remember uh, Dr. Bird shared how Jesus won't abandon us? Remember that? Ah, so powerful for me to hear. Reminded us that uh, if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. They're the same. They're one together, one God. And so when Jesus comes, he's not like the better version of the Old Testament God. He actually reveals exactly who the Father is. And then we were also reminded that when Jesus is going to leave, Jesus isn't just simply abandoning us. He's actually leaving so that the spirit, his spirit can come, which is actually going to be better because it's going to be with us at all times. Unlike Jesus, who was human and had a physical body. There's all this stuff that Jesus wants us to know. And then as we journey into the week, we move into the most difficult day, that Thursday night leading into Friday on the cross. And as we journey with God, uh, there's some beautiful and powerful things that we can learn. Now, today, though, is Palm Sunday. And so in order to actually journey with Jesus in the last week, we're going to, even though we've kind of skipped past all of this so far in our series, today we're going to jump back to John chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to John chapter 12. We're going to be looking, starting in verse uh, 12. So John 12, 12. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We've got some uh, guys who can make sure to hand you one. You can follow along with us. John chapter 12. There's a few things that I want to point out. And then what we're going to do is talk about three ways that I believe walking with Jesus through Holy Week will help us as followers of his. John chapter 12 says, The next day... The great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. What festival are we talking about? We're talking about the Passover festival. Passover festival was, of course, what Jews even to this day will celebrate. It was when God delivered them out of oppression and slavery in Egypt. Egypt was the major uh, power in that region. And 
they celebrate when God uh, um, released them from that, when God rescued them from that, okay? So this is the backdrop of what's happening. So the crowd all hears that Jesus is moving in or walking into Jerusalem. And it says, uh, they, verse 13, they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're quoting Psalm 118 there. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. In other words, this had just happened uh, uh, a few days previously. Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. All the folks that were there were like blown away by this unbelievable miracle because Lazarus had been dead for four days. Like within the first three days, you're like, well, is he like fully dead? You know, like totally dead no like after four days like dead dead like stinky dead okay and so Jesus waits that time he raises Lazarus back to life all the folks that were there are like blown away and so they're out like this is the dude I'm telling you he's the one this is the this is the Messiah he's come to rescue us remember it's Passover too so this is when they're celebrating rescue from a previous world power many people because they had heard that he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but they're looking around and they're like, we're losing control. Like all the momentum's on Jesus' side. Like this is not good because if he keeps doing what he's going to do, he's going to try to overthrow Rome because that's what they all expected. God rescued them from Egypt. Now Jesus is going to come in and he's going to fight against Rome. And the Pharisees are like, he's going to lose. Rome's going to kick our tail. Then they're going to blame us. They're going to destroy us. We're going to lose all of our power, all of our influence. And the Pharisees had it good. And so they didn't want that to happen. There's a few things that are going on that we as Americans miss. But for... A Jewish reader, stuff is like right in your face. Uh, First of all, it says uh, in verse 12 and also in verse 18, it says a great crowd. Uh, The word that's actually used here in the Greek is the same word that would be used of a great crowd that's actually coming to greet a conquering king, like a king that's gone to battle and has come back a victor and a great crowd that would go out to meet them. So when John's writing this, he's definitely trying to give us some little pointers to help us understand what's going on in the mind of the people, okay? Then we learn a whole lot more about the things that they say. First off, it says that they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Took palm branches and went out to meet him. This word, went out to meet him, is again that same idea of coming to meet a king who's returned victoriously. A uh, palm branch is kind of like an American flag. All right? it, it represented Jewish nationalism. 
It was on uh, some coins of the day. It, it had this idea that, like, we're going to rise again. And so when they start taking palm branches to do this, like, you got to recognize what they're actually trying to say, all right? So uh, when the temple was rededicated during the Maccabean era, so uh, the temple had been destroyed, uh, the Maccabean Revolt, you maybe have heard of the, the Maccabees or Judas Maccabees. Uh, that's actually why Jews celebrate Hanukkah, um, when God kind of miraculously uh, worked to help them overthrow uh, the oppressive, oppressive regime. Uh, palms were used to celebrate. And so when they're coming out with palms, they're like, yo, we about to do this. Okay, it would kind of be like right after the Civil War, if, uh, if, if you saw um, why am I, the rebel flag and a whole bunch of people down south coming out with rebel flags like yo we about to rise again like you would know exactly what they're talking about you 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 wouldn't you wouldn't wonder Uh, the romans are not stupid Uh, they're they're very aware and what the folks are saying is jesus we want you to lead us into battle like take over look man you raising people back to life if they kill us just raise me back to life like, I'll rush in if I know you're going to raise me back like that. I'm, I'm game. I'm down, Jesus. Let's go. Right? I mean, that's kind of a good strategy. I mean, it's like, you know, like, you can't kill me. You're going to win if that's your, you got Jesus on your side. And that's what they want. Uh, not only that, but they actually say, uh, Hosanna. Hosanna is an Aramaic phrase that means save us now. Hosanna. Save us now. Yo, Jesus, we are down We're waving the flag like we're ready. Israel's going to rise again. Hosanna to you. Save us now. All right? It's very obvious what what they're saying. Then John tells us that they actually quote Psalm 118. I went back and read Psalm 118 and the whole thing, it's so interesting, all talks about how they're praying to God for him to come and rescue them. This is actually where we get the verse about uh, the chief cornerstone. This is also the verse where they actually quote and says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and said that this person is actually God himself. And they start quoting this to Jesus. Now they don't finish the entire, they actually quote another one where they say, blessed is the king of Israel. And they're like, they want to coronate Jesus. They are ready to follow Jesus as long as Jesus does what they want him to do. You see, they wanted a national liberator, somebody that could liberate their nation. Jesus wanted to give them something so much better. Now, the Romans do not miss the scene, all right? They are absolutely aware of what's going on. And, and we know that Jerusalem was probably, I think a couple weeks ago, I, I think I said that Jerusalem was probably swelled to about 250,000 people. I think I overspoke there. Uh, it was probably about 50,000 people normally, and it was probably doubled in size, uh, a little over 100,000. But that still means people are sleeping on the hillsides. Like, the place is still, like, just packed, because it's not that big of an area at this point. And so when all these folks come kind of rushing in to, like, lay down their coats and wave the palm branches, and they're singing Hosanna, like you got to understand that the Romans, the soldiers, the governors, and everybody else who would have been around, the political figures, they would have been like kind of nervous. Like, yo, this, it feels like it's, like it's already a high season with everybody in and Passover and what it represents. And now they're saying this stuff. And it's really interesting, though, because John doesn't say this in the text, but Luke tells us. 
that when Jesus is walking into the city, he pauses for a moment and he looks over the city and it says that he begins to weep over the city. And part of the reason that Jesus weeps over the city is because he did come to rescue them, but not in the way that they anticipate. You see, they, they want Jesus, but only if they can make him in their image. And Jesus wants to come, and he wants to transform their image into his image, the complete opposite. When we journey alongside Jesus, we begin to recognize his love, his passion, even his fear of what he was going to walk through. We see his pain. We understand what makes his heart hurt, what drives him forward. And that's what Holy Week is intended to do for us as Christians. I love the fact that Jesus, uh, when he spoke the world into existence, told it to revolve around the sun so that Every 365 days, we get to start again so that we can be reminded of what he's done, that it's not just something that happened 182,327 days ago, but rather it is Holy Week that we get to experience afresh, anew every year. We get to journey with Jesus. So uh, there's a guy, his name's Dr. Michael Wilkins, a uh, New Testament scholar. Uh, he gives five reasons uh, why journeying with Jesus is actually really beneficial to us as Christians. Uh, I boil them down to three. And I want to give you those three as we kind of move into our last section this morning. Uh, the very last one uh, we're actually going to apply uh, by our praise and worship. But look with me at number one. Journeying with Christ through Holy Week helps me understand why the disciples act the way that they do. You ever think about this? I mean, what do the disciples do uh, on Friday? They scatter. I mean, they're, like, they're with Jesus in the garden. They can't stay awake while he's praying, but they are there. They're with him, right? And then when Judas, the betrayer, comes with the whole host of the temple guard, they all are like, whoa, what's up? We about to, in fact, Peter especially, like, that's, that's, that's my boy, right? Peter, like, literally pulls a sword, chops off dude's ear. Like, I don't know, like, if he's just bad aim or if dude ducked or what happened, but, like, chops off his ear, right? Peter's ready to go. And what does Jesus say? Put away the sword, Peter. Those who live by the sword are going to die by the sword. And then Jesus picks up his ear, puts it back on his head, and heals him. That's crazy. <laughs> I would love to like, show me a movie about that. Just that scene right there. Like, I want to see that. And what do the disciples do then? They're confused. Quite honestly, they wanted exactly what everybody else wanted. They knew more. They understood more. They knew that Jesus was Messiah. They just didn't understand that there was something greater than simply Jewish liberation that Jesus had in mind. And so they're confused. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why, why Jesus? Well, let's go. Let's do this thing. And so what happens is they flee. They run away. And then when Jesus is being crucified, we, we don't... We don't know where the vast majority of them are actually even at. 
You see, when we journey with Jesus and all that he's saying, right, that entire upper room discourse that we talked about where he washes their feet and he institutes the Lord's Supper, communion, and and he's talking about the Holy Spirit and the fact that he has to go and that they're sad and like all that huge long discussion that John records for us, it helps us begin to understand like, man, even with all that, they still didn't fully get it. And so they run away and it helps us kind of understand why they do that. You ever run away? When things get tough? Not you, right? I'm a pastor. I've been following Jesus for a really long time. And sometimes I still want to run. Sometimes I even do. But the cool thing about journeying with Jesus through Holy Week is it helps us not only understand why they scatter for a time but also why after the resurrection, these dudes can't stop talking about Jesus. Uh, Dr. Wilkins says this. He says, I also understand how their experience of seeing Jesus raised from the dead transformed them into courageous and bold leaders who risked everything to tell the world of this good news. They serve as an example of what my own life can be when I'm gripped by the events of Holy Week. Look, when we're gripped by the events of Holy Week, when we actually get it and suck it into our hearts and let it overcome our minds, like it will filter its way out. It has to. Look, you couldn't stop the disciples. Like at one point, you couldn't get them to even acknowledge Jesus. Like Peter denies him three times just hours after he chopped a dude's ear off. But then you can't get Peter to shut up even when he's killed for it. All but one of the disciples is martyred for their faith. They won't stop talking. If it was a lie, if they made the thing up, like nobody's going to... Even if one crazy dude died, you're not going to get 11 different dudes that are going to die over this. We understand why the disciples act the way they do. And it actually challenges us. Look, if you walk with Jesus, not just on the same path, but if you walk with Jesus, you can't help but want to tell somebody else. You can't help but at least weaving it into conversation. You can't help but say, hey, uh, this is actually really scary for me. I'm a natural introvert. Uh, I don't like to engage with people. But this week, I'm going to make a decision to invite my neighbor or my coworker or someone in my family or my barista at Starbucks. I don't think my barista's here. But she does come sometimes. So when the events of Holy Week grip our hearts, we're willing to actually do something too. I hope you'll think about that this week. Uh, The second thing that it actually helps us with, right, journey with Christ through Holy Week implores me to trust and obey Christ as he is, not as I wish him to be. This one, I think, is uh, probably the hardest of the three. Because every single one of us wants Jesus to kind of be fashioned in how we want him to act, right? I mean, if I'm being honest, there's things that are in Scripture that Jesus said that I kind of wish he hadn't. Uh, certain moral things that Jesus says that I'm like, ah, like it'd be easier, Jesus, if you hadn't have said that. Quite honestly, though, it, it, it's some of the basic things he says about following him that I just don't like. Uh, that I actually have to die to myself. You see, a lot of times we think Jesus died so that we don't have to. But that's actually not what scripture teaches. Jesus died so that we could then die in him. See, he still calls us to pick up a cross. 
That literally means to learn how to die to ourselves to live for him. I am not good at this, friends. I, I, I really wrestle with this. I, ha- I honestly had, I, wasn't, I didn't even know I was going to say this. I had a really rough day yesterday because of some stuff that God uh, has been trying to do in, in, in my life. Revolves a, a relationship that we have with a neighbor, uh, a dream that I had that, that we had begun to, to make happen, and uh, how I have to uh, dismantle, literally, that dream. And I don't like to die to myself because it's my dream, and it's a good dream, and it's not just for me, it's for my kids. And I think it's pretty stinking sweet, and I'm proud of it. And Jesus kept saying, who do you love more? Do you love your dream more than you love your neighbors? Do you love your dream more than you love me? Do you not think that I have something better to offer you than your stupid little 12 by 12 dream? And uh, we did the right thing, but mostly because of my wife, if I'm being honest. (laughs) And yet I was uh, just so frustrated and angry yesterday. Because learning to die to ourselves is really, really hard. And yet, when we actually begin to obey Christ as he is, not as we wish him to be, That's actually where we find life. You see, you can't be resurrected if you've never died. And resurrection life is so much better. The third way that we journey with Christ through Holy Week and how it helps us is that it helps us grow deeper in our relationship with Christ, which always leads us to worship. Um, My love for him deepens when I journey with Christ, right? My recognition of his love for me deepens when I journey with Christ through Holy Week. And I experience the joy and the triumph of Easter Sunday when I'm willing to walk with him through that last week and through Good Friday where he lays down his life for my sake. You see, when he raises back to life in resurrection, I get to celebrate because I am in Christ. And so his resurrection becomes my resurrection. And that leads me towards an unbelievable, I just realized it's going to rhyme, attitude of gratitude. All right? It leads me into that. And and when I'm grateful for what Jesus has done, it causes me to want to say thanks, to praise him, to worship him, to say, God, you're amazing. You're even better than what my little dreams can be for my life. You're even better than the God that I wish I could turn you into because you're actually God. And you actually know what's best for me, and it causes us to move into praise. And so that's what we want to do this morning. That's going to be our application. But before we move into a time of worship this morning, I want us to ask this one final question, okay? Because back when, when I walked with Brenda through that unbelievably difficult, painful time, that grew our relationship in rich and beautiful and meaningful ways that could never have happened in any other circumstance. And this is actually, I think, the Father's desire for us this week as well, that we would walk with him, with Jesus, to experience that pain, that difficulty, so that it would grow our relationship with him even deeper, even greater. 
And so I simply want to ask this. What is God asking you to do to walk more closely with him this Holy Week? What is it? Uh, maybe for you, it's um, you know there's somebody that God wants you to invite. And maybe you don't want to invite them. Maybe it's an enemy at work. And quite honestly, you'd rather they don't find Jesus because it would be way easier to just keep on despising them because of the way that they've treated you or treated others. Or Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone in your family. Uh, maybe God's calling you to do something that maybe you haven't done in a long time. Take uh, a full hour every day this week to pray and sit in silence. Maybe God wants you to be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to be in the prayer room praying for folks that are going to be a part of our services next week that don't yet know Jesus. Maybe God wants you to read through John 12 to the end of the gospel to walk Holy Week with Jesus. I don't know what it is that he's calling you to do, but what is it that you could do that God would then help you become closer to him during this week? So, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to trust that God's going to tell you. And I'm going to trust that you'll listen. And together, you and I will obey. Father God, we want to know you and love you and follow you. And Jesus, it's a privilege that we get to celebrate, which seems like a weird word, to be honest, Holy Week. Because it doesn't seem very celebratory until we get to Easter. And yet, God, we know when we journey with you through difficult times, Jesus, you speak to us. We learn to love you more, and we learn how vast your love is for us. Let us do that for your glory and our benefit. Amen.